listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, I'm back, and it feels good to be back. Thanks for tuning in, uh, I, and thanks to Vinny for covering for the past two weeks. I didn't ask him what he did on the show, but I'm sure it was highly entertaining and spontaneous. Elliot's nodding. Yeah, right? yeah, it was yeah. both those things. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm happy to hear that. Well, uh, it's nice to be back. I was uh, for those of you who did not know, I went uh, to Africa actually for uh, I was away for about a week and a half, but that included a few days of travel because uh, it's quite far. I was actually in Namibia, and this is it was a trip that came up with just a couple of weeks' notice, and it's one of those things where. You know, I, I didn't hum and haw about it too long, but um, I think it's on a lot of people's list in terms of things they'd love to do or places they'd love to see. Because uh, I went there uh, for a safari trip, and I mean, it is something that's been on my list, but just I never thought it would happen this year or anytime soon. But uh, I'm curious if uh, anyone listening out there has been to Africa, whereabouts you've been, if you've been on safari, uh, or, you know, what your bucket list trip might be. Maybe it's a cruise somewhere uh, exotic. Uh, maybe it's a trip to Hawaii. Maybe it's, uh, you know, Finland. Uh, so let me know. You can text me at 71010. Would love to know where you would love to travel uh, if you could. It also, I think, inspires other people and uh, and gives people ideas. Um, so Nam- Namibia, I didn't know much about before I went. I knew that I was going to go on safari. I knew that it was warm there. And when I left Toronto, it was when we had that spell of like minus 25 degree weather, which felt like... It went on for months at a time. Um, but uh, Namibia sits on the southwest coast of Africa. So it borders Angola and Zambia in the north and then South Africa in the south and then uh, Botswana to the east. So this is what you need to know about going there. I was there for like, a, it was supposed to be like an eight day safari that includes a lot of driving on your first and last day. And it took two days and two nights for me to get there. So the it's not a, it's not a quick flight. It is not a direct flight. <laughs> it is a flight that includes a couple of stopovers. Um, but I actually, what I did is uh, I had a flight that was a red eye from Toronto to London, to, so to Heathrow. And, you know, there's the option of having a five-hour layover or one that was 11 hours. And initially, I thought, well, that's ridiculous. I don't want to wait 11 hours. And a friend of mine who is a travel writer and travels frequently said, um, oh, no, you want the 11-hour layover because you can actually leave the airport. So I hadn't thought of it that way. I was just thinking of getting to my destination as quickly as possible. And when she said that, I thought, you know what? That makes perfect sense because five or six hours uh, at an airport isn't really enough time for you to, you know, leave the airport, maybe catch a shuttle bus or a train or whatever it is into the city and then have to go through security all over again. It's pretty tight. But having a a layover that's like 10 hours or more actually lets you leave, um, you know, explore the city a little bit, have a have a real bite to eat that's not airplane food, walk around, kind of burn off some energy, and then go back to the airport, check into security with plenty of time um, to catch the next long flight, which was about 11 hours. And that was to uh, Johannesburg, 
from um, from London Heathrow. So actually, I really appreciated that bit of advice, and I'm just sharing it with you because I think a lot of times when we look at the length of travel time, we try to make it as short as possible. But, um, you know, sometimes those few extra hours can actually make you feel a bit better. It can refresh you. Um, so my, my trip to Namibia, I just want to tell you a little bit about it in case you ever thought about going. Um, it was really great. Like, I absolutely loved it. We had wonderful weather. It's very hot there, but not um, not humid like it is here. And there's so much of Namibia and so much of Africa to see. Like, I didn't realize until I was there. And, and we drove up towards the north to Atosha National Park. It's a beautiful conservation area where uh, you can see pretty much all of the the big game. Um, the only thing I didn't see were lions, and this is because it's apparently their wet season, so the lions don't come out to the watering holes as frequently as they might if you were to go um, during the fall. But, you know, we would drive along these dirt roads and we'd have like all of these like hundreds of zebra galloping next to us. Or we would, you know, pull up to a watering hole to see if there are any animals there. And then off in the distance, you'd see a herd of elephant approaching. And what was just so amazing and, and fascinating is that, you know, you see it, I, I don't know, on TV shows, documentaries. Um, you probably have seen an elephant in person at the zoo. But here you were seeing them in their natural environment and seeing them um, really on their turf. It's not them in a faux little fake uh, grassy area with walls. It's not them in a cage. You're seeing them run around and roll around and um, eat and drink in their natural environment, where it just which seems endless because the Atosha National Park is um, just over 20,000 square kilometers. So I saw a lot of animals I hadn't seen before, which is kind of cool when you're an adult. You feel like maybe you've seen or that you know of most. I mean, I didn't think there were so many animals I didn't know about. But it was really quite amazing. We saw a lot of different kinds of antelope. I learned like about kudu and oryx, springbok. These are all forms of different kinds of antelope that we saw. Um, also that people eat there. So there's a lot of gay meat that was served. And one girl in my tour group was uh, is a vegetarian. So uh, that was a bit challenging for her, I'll, I'll admit. But, um, you know, if you if you ever want or have it on your list, try to make it happen. It was a really beautiful place, um, very safe as well. And if you're not super organized to drive yourself, because a lot of people do, they rent a car and they do the safari on their own and they stop in the different lodges and the campsites or whatever, find accommodations. Um, I obviously went with a small tour group. So we had a guide and we had a driver and we stayed in very modest accommodations. But that was great because I'm not good at organizing and figuring out how long is needed in a day to travel to the next place. So it was nice to have that taken care of. And it was also nice because that meant we had locals with us who could give us advice and tips and, you know, let us know where we can drink the water and, and where we can't. Um, so it was it was really quite lovely. I saw wildebeests, hyenas, um, giraffes. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had your luggage lost um, by an airline. I'm sure many of you have had some sort of terrible airline experience. But um, my luggage did not arrive in Windhoek, Namibia. And that is the, the city that we flew into. And I just had this terrible feeling in my stomach because I traveled two days and two nights. And I needed this stuff because we were leaving on safari. And my luggage was not there. And 
uh, it turns out that we were driving, we were leaving the next morning, we we're going 600 kilometers away to get to this national park, and I did not have my suitcase. So our guide was really great. He was trying to get in touch with the airline. Um, so, you know, day two comes around, no word on my suitcase. And I'm stressed because it's not like I'm visiting a North American city where I can hop to the mall, run to the drugstore, pick up the things that I might be missing. You know, I had packed very carefully for this safari trip, you know, my sunscreen, my bug spray. Um, I had not much in my carry-on. And uh, it turns out on day three, when I was getting worried, and then there were a couple of men in my group, they were very kind. They offered to lend me clothes, which was also a little bit sad. Um, but we were driving away from the first lodge we stayed at. Mind you, I'm 600 kilometers now away from the capital, away from the airport where I landed. We are in a different place every day. I have no hotel address for them to come and deliver my suitcase. So we were at a watering hole. We are honestly, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're watching two elephants and we're taking photos. The station wagon pulls up next to our little van and the driver has this little candid conversation with my tour guide. I assume maybe they know each other. A tour guide turns to me and says, he has your bag. And I just thought, how is it possible that this man who was a courier, but I guess was a tour guide on the side, had found us in this huge national park and he had my suitcase? And I thought, honestly, that that would have made the most amazing courier commercial like FedEx or UBS. We'll find you anywhere, even on safari. Anyway, I was very thrilled, and I think the guys on my trip were, were very happy because I was probably getting a little funky. You know, you do what you have to do. So my whole thing is never lose hope if the airline loses your luggage. Uh, coming up on the show, I'm going to talk to Toronto Star columnist and cookbook author Jennifer Bain. Her latest book is called Buffalo Girls Cook Bison. And uh, she lives in the city, but she actually has a buffalo ranch in Alberta. And uh, she'll tell us why bison meat is something we should be buying and eating and cooking and how easy it is to do that. I'll also be giving away copies of her book, so keep listening for your chance to win. And after the break, guess what over half of Canadians lie about to their friends and family? You might be one of these people. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, welcome back to the show. I'm back as well. I was just mentioning before the break that uh, I did a one-week safari trip in Namibia and I had someone text in and say that they've been as well. In fact, they've actually seen a lot of Africa, Rwanda, South Africa, Mozambique. Um, and uh, this person also mentioned uh, that it was the best trip of their life and they'd do it again. I would do it again too, but it's, you know, you got to save up for that, you know, time and, and money and do it properly. But um, it was beautiful and it was really nice. I'm sorry, guys. It was really nice to be somewhere where it wasn't minus 30, even though now we're on the upswing, right? Tomorrow's supposed to be double digits, which is basically shorts and patio weather for us. Um, a recent survey by BDO Canada found that just over half of Canadians lie about their finances. So are you honest with the people closest to you? I'm curious to know. You can text me at 71010. Let me know if you're one of those people who lies or are you actually completely open and honest and comfortable? talking about money to your family and uh, and close friends. So to talk about the survey, I have Brian Pritchard on the line. He's a trustee in bankruptcy, also known as a debt relief professional with BDO Canada Limited. Uh, hi, Brian. 
Hi there. How are you? Uh, I'm very curious about the results of this survey. So uh, it doesn't surprise me, actually, that most people kind of, you know, fudge the truth a little bit because I feel like money is one of those things that makes people uncomfortable to talk about. Well, that's true. We've certainly found that in our survey. Uh, and, uh, you know, just listening to your wonderful adventure, I'm sure that costs you a few dollars <laughs> and uh, maybe something you don't want to admit to uh, to your audience. Well, it, well, actually, I did spend a, a bit when I was there. It's not, a, it's not an expensive country to be in, like going to Europe or something. Or actually, what cost me a lot of money was my stopover in London, England. Um, but I think that uh, it's one of those things that you have to plan for and and you know do it do it properly so that you're not like in debt for years well that's a, a great plan if you can plan for it and and uh, you know afford the trip and enjoy it rather than paying for it when you get home so now um who are the people who are you know not really telling the truth well i think uh, about 51 percent of canadians uh, for the most part um, i think uh, men are maybe a little uh, less honest than than women i think they're about 54 percent of men versus 47 uh, percent for women uh, and the uh, the age group is uh, people between 35 and 54 they tend to be uh, a little less honest with their finances and seniors uh, our second, uh, those that are above 55, and the younger people, uh, people between 18 and 34, seem to be a little more honest with their finances. I feel like it's because that's usually the age when you're not really making much money and everyone assumes that you have debt, like you have student loans or whatever. No, I think, yeah, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, they don't have as many pressures. Uh, uh, you know, they don't have family that they're trying to thwart and, and perhaps even trying to, uh, uh, to, to protect from maybe the, the, uh, the truth that that might be unfolded. Uh, just interesting, I, I was meeting with a gentleman on Friday, uh, and he um, came to me and had uh, in excess of $100,000 in credit card debt. <gasps> oh, my God. And I can't imagine. It was uh, unbelievable. And it, I talked to him, and he said, you know, eight months ago, he had no debt. He and racked that up in eight months. He did. And uh, as we got into it, uh, he, was, uh, he got into a game called Kino, and was playing that quite regularly and knew his numbers were going to come up because he saw them oh. on, a, on a weekly basis or bi-weekly basis they would come up and he had a system that he was going to be able to use to be able to, uh, uh, to get to that uh, level to get, you know, to get his money back and uh, $100,000 later uh, he you know, was unable to, to pay that, uh, hit his credit limit. Unfortunately, uh, he hadn't uh, told his wife anything about this. <gasps> Oh, and, that's uh, terrible. And so uh, when we spoke about it, and he was uh, very um, uh, very relieved once he had told her that uh, he had had this problem, and uh, he was uh, able to get her support, and uh, they were working on a plan to get them through this. But there's an example of an individual that uh, was less than honest with uh, uh, his spouse and certainly caught her off guard with this uh, exorbitant amount of debt. Now... What is the main reason for people to um, lie about their financial situation? I will assume it's because we like to, I think a lot of people want to project um, the image that they're doing much better than they are. You know, that maybe times are a bit tough or uh, they've got a roof repair on the house that they didn't expect. Kids need extra help. There's all these little things in life that aren't, you know, super fun to talk about. Um, so I'm wondering what the main reason is for people to just not tell the truth. 
Well, uh, a lot of it is to protect their loved ones, uh, particularly the people that are uh, are senior in you know in the uh, the age of their life where they've got uh, children to support and spouses to support. Uh, they may not want to necessarily disclose the amount of debt that they've got or that they're carrying. Uh, you're right as well, trying to uh, project an image and. Uh, you know, having a new car and and uh, a nice house and and all the uh, the things that uh, project a, an image of status of uh, amongst our neighbors and friends. So now, what can we do? Like, if we are, um, let's say, embarrassed or ashamed, we just want to we don't want to be judged. And I don't think many people like to talk about money to too many people. You know, maybe it's your closest family and and maybe a few close friends, but. Uh, you know, what can we do to kind of make this a little bit easier for us? Because there are obviously a lot of people who are very worried and very stressed about their financial situation and not feeling comfortable enough to talk about it. Well, clearly, uh, those that are affected, so spouses and uh, children, I think need to be part of the conversation, uh, a little bit of honesty. I think that, uh, as my gentleman friend uh, that we uh, referred to earlier, once he told his wife about his circumstances, they were able to work on a, a plan together to try and deal with it. So uh, if they, uh, you know, the spouses are not completely honest with each other, uh, if the children haven't been involved, and to bring them in as part of the conversation... Uh, let them know that there is uh, this financial challenge that might be ahead of them and that there are things that uh, the family needs to do. Bring the children in uh, relatively young and maybe not necessarily disclosing the degree to which uh, there may be uh, financial challenges, but, but that you know money doesn't grow on trees and mm-hmm. that they're all in it together and that they should be working toward uh, a spending plan. I, I don't like budgets. I like spending plans. Oh, is that I, the word you use? I like spending plans. Because <laughs> spending it's much, plan. It's, it's much it sounds like positive. a positive action, like we're spending. Yeah, well, it's better than a diet. <laughs> it's an eating <laughs> yes. plan, I guess. It's like my, well, you're right. It's like, this is my eating plan. It's carrots and cottage cheese. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's not a diet. All right. And so if you can get your uh, family to work together and understand the issues and, uh, you know, maybe forego the, uh, the dinner out or or the, uh, you know, the coffee in the morning and, and maybe take your lunch. I, I don't think there's any shame in that. And I think many of us have had, uh, you know, been in situations where we haven't had the ability to, uh, to pay all of our uh, uh, ongoing expenses uh, on a day-to-day basis and maybe a little bit of, you know, there's times where there's unemployment uh, and, heck, you know, sometimes people become separated and those cause of further financial challenges. You know, I'm looking at the survey and uh, the sort of the list of things that we tend to lie about the most. And the highest one is um, our our savings. So people lied the most about how much they had saved and their ability to manage in a financial emergency. Because I, I often hear that we should have like three months worth of money uh, saved up in case of an emergency, right? So three months worth of expenses um, should be covered off. So is it that people are lying about that specifically? Well, I, I think to some degree they, they are. It's, you know, I agree that, you know, in an ideal world, we should be able to get through a period of, of unemployment or, or other expenses that uh, are times where we may not be able to afford our, our day-to-day expenses. And I think it's important that, uh, you know, that we do uh, plan for those uh, that eventuality. Uh, but it is tough to, uh, you know, to be honest about those things. Um, uh, you know, our ASD savings, uh, even retirement savings are, are sometimes, uh, uh, I'm not sure people necessarily 
I'm not sure that they always lie about it, but they may not be completely either understand it themselves or uh, or may not uh, want to think about that in the future if it's uh, years off in the, in the future. It seems like it's far enough away that I don't have to stress out about it, but I should. <laughs> I should be worried about it. Um, thank you so much for your time, Brian. I really appreciate it. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank have you a great much. night. Okay, thank you. Bye That's- now. Bye. That's Brian Pritchard. He's a debt relief professional with BDO Canada. So, I mean, I guess there's, if there's a takeaway from that, it's just that uh, I think a lot of people spend more money than they have. They just want to keep up with the Joneses. So it's like, okay, I'll take that trip or I'll go to that restaurant. And um, it's not going to help you in the long run. So, you know, try to open up those lines of communications with your family if you can't. You know, it's, I'll point this out. It is quite common in Asian culture, and this can be a bit jarring for North Americans. Uh, Asians will very often ask you how much money you make. And it's a kind of a cultural thing. It is not, um, it's quite acceptable to talk about that. And I would bet that people lie when they're asked. Of course they would. But it can be, you know, it's not something that is as acceptable in North America. But um, that's just something to keep in mind because when I have seen some of my extended family it's like one of the first questions but it's it's like asking you what your favorite drink is it's like well how much money do you make you're like it's none of your business i make millions and millions of dollars so leave me alone um coming up after the break it's high in protein and lower in fat than beef why you should think about bison and also i'll have your chance to win uh, the cookbook buffalo girls cook bison so lots of great ideas and recipes in there for you um you can also follow me on twitter and on instagram at paychen if you are interested in seeing some of the um photos from my trip my safari trip to namibia um i did post a, quite a few of them on instagram and uh also on Facebook. So if you know, if you like to see elephants and giraffes and things like that, I've got some photos over there. And uh, paychan.com, of course, is the website if you want to catch the podcast. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pei Chen here every Sunday, except for the last two, uh, from 8 to 9 p.m. PeiChen.com is the website if you want to catch up on podcasts. Uh, you can also find links there to uh, Instagram and Twitter and all of that good social media stuff. More and more, we're hearing stories about the things that are added to our food, why we should care about the way our food is grown or raised, why we should support and get to know our farmers. And what I love about this is I think um, the more people talk about it, the more we realize how important it is. So if you're looking for delicious ideas for your next meal, Toronto Star columnist and cookbook author Jennifer Bain has some ideas. Her latest book is Buffalo girls cook bison hey jennifer hi pay um you know i was really interested in this book because i had no idea that uh you and your husband own a bison ranch in alberta of all places because when i know you as yeah (laughs) the woman who writes great food content here in toronto yes i think i took the get to know your farmer to the extreme i actually (laughs) married my farmer so now i guess you divide your time between uh the farm in alberta and then in toronto uh, he lives out there mostly and commutes back and forth, mm-hmm. and we go there for our holidays. So 
Uh, I also learned in your book that the words buffalo and bison um, are used interchangeably because I wasn't quite sure before if they were the same animal or not. Yes, that's it's, it's funny that you say that. I had 25 people today for a potluck. Yeah. And I made a huge pot of bison chili from my from my cookbook and there were people that were saying and and we use we usually say buffalo, so we said this is buffalo chili, and people are like, oh, no, I don't eat buffalo. Buffalo's, like, <laughs> gamey and tough, but, you know, I do love bison. Oh. And, you know, even today, I'm like, no, it's the same thing. It's, right. It's, it's a huge problem. It's an image problem um, for, the, for the bison industry because people are confused. Because when I picture buffalo, I think of that giant giant animal that roams in the wild, and I think, no, I don't, I don't know that I want to eat that. <laughs> Well, the interesting thing is that that they were there were used to be thousands or millions of them roaming North America, and they basically all got slaughtered, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever. They were almost extinct, and they were brought back by farmers, ranchers, and conservationists. And literally, truly, you you need to to um, eat them to keep them in existence because if if without people buying them, then mm-hmm. nobody will be raising them, and then they will be extinct again. So. Now, um, seeing as we're in, you know, Toronto, Ontario, which is very food forward, and I would say, you know, uh, quite advanced in terms of uh, people's palates and the the types of food and dishes that we eat, I don't know, well, I guess I'm willing to bet that a lot of people, you know, in the GTA aren't familiar with bison meat. Until very recently, you had to go to like a very small niche butcher shop and it is a little bit more difficult to get a hold of here in Ontario than, say, in Alberta. There are ranchers, um, bison ranchers, in in here, in mm-hmm. Ontario. Um, but at the supermarket level, until recently, there wasn't a lot. Um, a company out of Quebec got a deal with Loblaws. And so I do a lot of my shopping at Loblaws right beside the Toronto Star, and they they have bison now in the meat counter. I saw that because they had a couple of different meat. They had elk, and then I, I saw bison. I was like, wow, they're really serving up like some different types of uh, game. Yeah, and I haven't confirmed this, but people I know who have Costco memberships say that you can get bison at Costco as well. Wow, so you could buy 100 pounds at once. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you like that's the minimum <laughs> when you shop there. Um, so now tell me about uh, how bison is different than beef, because I associate the two very closely. The, the, for us, the biggest difference, um, my, my husband's family has had their ranch for like 100 years, and it used to be cattle, and then it was sheep, and then it was bison. And bison are still a wild animal, so um, unlike cattle, like you can't go up, you can't pat them, you can't touch them, you can't call, you know, a veterinarian if they're sick. Mm-hmm. You know, we literally put them out on thousands and thousands of acres, and they roam around, and they're they're essentially wild. Um, you know, they eat off the land. We give them some hay as a supplement, um, but they're very dangerous. And you know, I. I Probably the closest I've been to them is like, you know, 20 feet. You can't, wow. you, you, you know, they look beautiful and they're, they're terrifying. So they're not like tame. You can't tame these animals. You can't. Yeah. You can't domesticate them. You can't tame them. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike cattle, if, you know, if a cow is having trouble with childbirth, you can get in there, I guess, and help right. them. Or you can call a vet to physically get in there and help them. And, you know, a bison would, would kick your head in. You know, it's interesting because in the fall, I did a trip out to um, Manitoba with the canola growers, and it was like a, a farm tour, and I was able to visit a um, buffalo ranch. So it was really interesting because I 
I don't know that I ever seen one up in per- like a buffalo too yeah, close in person. Other than a zoo or- yeah, exactly. And um, and the woman who ran who owned this ranch, I mean, she was really gutsy and bold. And she would like if they got too close, she'd kind of like stomp her feet and wave her arms. And you know, they were uh, kind of used to her. But even with her, she did not get very close to them. Yeah. And we wanted to. We were in a, a little like minivan, and there were a couple of us, and we were allowed to get off to take photos but they would they were only let us off like two at a time just in case the buffalo changed their mind and wanted to charge us we could get yeah. on the you know the bus very quickly we weren't to step too close to the you know it was like small movements and i thought wow this is you know we're on someone's ranch which is someone's property but it was very much you know dealing with wild unpredictable animals yeah, that's exactly how we do it. Like, you know, with cattle, you have this romantic notion. You know, you either have this horrible notion of, a, like, an industrialized feedlot with all the cattle in there, or you have this romantic notion of cowboys out on the land. And with, with bison, like, my husband ranches them from a truck, not right. not from a horse. And so, yeah, when we take friends out, you know, drive out onto the land to find the bison, we generally climb up on the back of the truck and the roof of the truck and watch them from there. Because so, in a split second, you're right. They can yeah. change their mind and and uh, and charge you. So now let's talk about you know bison meat or buffalo meat. Um, yeah. Since now it's the it's the same thing, and I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I I had a bison burger that day for the, for the first time, and I thought, well, this is great. It was like I mean, it was like a hamburger. It wasn't yeah. that I sat there and thought, wow, this tastes really really different. But um, what was interesting in your cookbook was learning that it's um bison meat is is leaner than beef and so i guess it's not as fatty yeah like today when i was cooking 14 pounds of ground wow meat um at the end of it i had to cook onions and you know normally you take your your cooked beef out and you have all this fat in the pan you can cook your onions i had no fat so i had to put in olive oil to cook my onions mm-hmm. So bison, you know, they're they're not really marbled. They don't have a fat layer, so it, it's it's pure meat for the most part. So higher protein, more iron, uh, leaner, uh, and less fat than yeah. beef. So then, I guess you know, knowing that that will affect the way you cook it, perhaps, right? Um, yeah, you know, as long as you love your meat, um, rare to medium rare to medium at the most, like mm-hmm. you'll love bison. If you're one of those people that that. You know, I don't know these kind of people, but if you're kind of the, the kind of person that cooks to well done, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you probably shouldn't shouldn't waste your money buying bison because it, it's got to stay um, under medium. So uh, it was also interesting that you mentioned that uh, a lot of world leaders eat bison. Um, it was like Barack Obama and, yeah. and like well, Ted Turner, right? Because it is it's this it's this North American specialty that that people in Europe like. We actually, my husband sells almost all his bison to France, and then it gets sent out to different spots in Europe. So they're quite you know entranced by buffalo slash bison, and so likewise, like world leaders, when when people are going um, to our Parliament Hill or to the White House, it's often on the menu there. Uh, when I lived in Winnipeg, um, 
I, I joked to people that for the first month, because I was living out of a hotel, I would have to go out to eat all the time. And I would go to like just little diners or mom and pop restaurants. And every time I sat down, the server would say, do you want to hear about our special? And uh, after a week, I realized that the special was always bison. Oh, wow. It was always like a bison wrap, a bison frittata, a bison burger. And so when they started to ask me, like, would you like to hear about our special? And I'd say, is it bison? And I'd say, yes. <laughs> so it was just so available to me there. And then when I moved back to Toronto, I... Um, I didn't. I mean, I didn't consume a lot of it, so it wasn't like I I noticed that it was missing. But uh, yeah. when somebody brings it up, I go, Yeah, you know what? That was something that uh, I saw a lot of on restaurant menus when I lived, you know, in uh, in Manitoba, but not as much so in Toronto. Although I do see it a little bit now. Um, what uh, I was interested in by this fact that um, that people choose bison because it's more ethical. How so? It, it's just because it, it can't. It, you know, it can't be raised by the thousands. Okay. Um, you can't have it in a sort of factory farmed, massive feedlot sort of situation that, that does happen um, sometimes, not always, but with, with cattle. And so it is very much like my husband's ranch has 200, like we, we have 15,000 acres, but we only have 200 bison. Wow. And he's, you know, right, right sort of in the middle. A lot of ranchers have 50 or 100 and I'm not sure that, that you know, I, I don't actually know who has the most, mm -hmm. but, the, you know, they have to be raised in a different way than cattle. And and so it, it tends to be a smaller farmer, and then it tends to be that you can buy from buy them from a specialty butcher shop, which means they come from a single source. So, you know, as you said at the beginning, it's all about sort of knowing your farmer and knowing where your meat comes from and being able to say, how was this, how was this? animal raised right this, this steak that i'm thinking about buying mm -hmm. like i want to know everything about it um well that's great because it's nice to know that it's becoming more available here and easy to for people to find at the grocery store um thanks so much for your time jennifer thank Appreciate you it. lots of great recipes in the book and uh that's jennifer baines toronto star columnist and the author of buffalo girls cook buys and coming up after the break i've got three copies of jennifer's cookbook to give away you'll find some really great recipes in there so keep listening for your chance to win This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Just before the break, I was talking to Jennifer Bain, who is the author of the cookbook, uh, Buffalo Girls Cook Bison. And I've got three copies of her cookbook to give away. You can call Elliot at 416-872-1010 or start 8255 on your cell phone. And the first three correct callers who can tell Elliot where Jennifer's Buffalo Ranch is will win a copy of her book. So just the province where it is. It was, we said it a bunch of times. So 416-872-1010 or star 8255 on your cell phone for a chance to win a copy of her book, Buffalo Girls Cook Bison. It's got really great recipes in there. And then just some really interesting photos and information about uh, buffalo or bison. You can call it uh, whichever you want because it's the same Animal. So again, just uh, be one of the first three to tell Elliot where Jennifer's uh, husband's, I guess it's, you know, their family, Buffalo Ranch, is located. And you could win. And we will mail the book out to the winner. So don't worry about having to come by and uh, pick it up. Elliot's now very busy talking to people on the phone. Vinny White joins me right now. Hello, Vinny. Hello, I'm Vinny White. You are. Have you ever had bison? Yes, it was very good. Yeah, did you like it? Yeah, I really liked it. Did you ask her 
one question that I'd yeah. like to know the answer to. Why are buffalo wings called buffalo wings when they're not? Buffaloes uh, don't have I wings. I don't know. You're right. Why buffalo chicken wrap? What's Why chicken balls? Right? We call things things that don't exist. Oh, I just worked that out. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, why buffalo wings? I'm like, why chicken balls? Yeah. We just make it up. I think, I believe the buffalo wing story is because um, of the way that they're breaded in spice. That hot sauce came out of Buffalo, New York. So it wasn't ah. Buffalo the animal. It was out of Buffalo, New York. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. so you do I know. Believe that's your, just, I believe that's the origin. It's a wonderful moment in my life that just happened. <laughs> you really did clear that up. I didn't know. Uh, I believe that that's where it started. It's like, you know, when people talk about how potato chips were invented by accident, I think um, the buffalo wing story was out of someplace in Buffalo, New York, where they're like, just kind of like fried it and threw hot sauce on it and made it very, really tangy. Mm. And it stuck. Um, speak other things that you may have eaten. Uh, so I did have that bison burger and it was pretty good. Can I just have a soft emotional moment? It's so good to have you back. <laughs> I don't even believe it when you say that. You, you have a very healthy cynicism <laughs> about my feelings, don't you? I do. Why do you say that? Was it hard for you to do two hours? Two hours is kind of a lot sometimes. It is kind of a lot. Yeah, it's like double one. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's double the amount of time you normally spend. On I enjoyed air it, actually. Sunday. I had an opera singer on last week. I know. I organized that for you. Oh, don't tell everyone that. <laughs> I'm like, I just made your life a little bit easier, didn't I? <laughs> and I, had, I sorted out my other guests. I yeah. did stuff, too. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm very proud yeah, of you. Yeah, it was you. all right. But I like, you know, I like having you about. You're like a little bright light, a little dazzling <laughs> flower in spring. Like a shooting star that just fizzles. Yeah. Come 905. Um, I was, oh, the thing I was going to tell you about was I don't, I know that you've been to Namibia. We talked about this off air. Yeah. And um, did you try any game meat while you were there? Uh, I did in Malawi. Yeah. Oh, yeah? What did you try? I tried, what's, I always forget the animal. What's the Pumba in The Lion King? What is he? Will the Beast? Is he? Uh, I don't think he is. No. I don't know why. There's a text in. Can you text in? What's Pumba from? Because I've eaten I've eaten Pumba. You've but eaten Pumba. Yeah. I want to say wildebeest, but I could be completely wrong. <sighs> Seven ten ten. If you can tell Vinny what it was that he ate when he was uh, in Africa. <laughs> I also ate um, alligator springbok. Was very good. Spring yes, and I did not know. I'd never heard of springbok before. They're a beautiful animal. Mm. Do you know that they can run up to a hundred kilometers an hour? They can also jump up to thirteen feet in the air. When you see them actually spring, like. The way they jump up in the air. It's amazing. It's the coolest thing ever. Going to Africa on safari is mind-blowingly wonderful, isn't it? It, You know what? It was, um, yeah. It, there's only so many things in your life, I think, that you will remember very vividly. Yeah. Like experiences because they're so different from your everyday. It's the right thing to do as an adult as well. Because aside from the fact, yes, it's definitely different from your daily day. It's really interesting when you're an adult because you really want to learn. Like as a kid, I probably didn't care. It's like, oh, it's a stripy horse. I think yeah. it's a zebra. But now I'm fascinated by how they live. Yeah. Oh, someone texted in. It was a warthog. Warthog. You ate a warthog. Thank you. That's what I ate. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you to the listener who did that. And yeah, yeah, they were very nice. You know. Well, I tried. Uh, so I'm not a big meat eater, but I thought, you know, you're there. You're in the country. They're serving game meat. You should try it. So there were, I didn't even know these animals existed. Um, so springbok, I wasn't familiar with. Mm. Kudu, oryx, 
come on, I'd never heard of these animals before. Yeah, so I saw them in the wild. Impala and, as well. They're all in the yeah, Impala. They're all in the family of um, things, antelope. Yes, the things yeah. that run from lions. Yeah, <laughs> things that lions enjoy. Yes. I also sit, I had a little bite of zebra because it was served, and the guys on my trip really wanted to try it. I think it. you might be upsetting some people. It was. I probably am, and I'm just admitting that we went to a restaurant that ser- it was really well known for gay meat. It was a very tourist heavy place, yeah. and they did this like wild game meat platter which was just like a skewer mm. and the guys on the trip all really i had fish <laughs> i was like what local fish do you but you have? tried a bit of zebra which um, by the way is not an endangered animal so it's not that bad no i mean it it was like i i took the tiniest it was like the size of my thumbnail one of the guys asked if i wanted a bite and i thought mm. okay i'll try it and uh and crocodile which um what's zebra like don't say chicken like beefy is it like horse well, I haven't had horse, but you it was like in Toronto. The there's a French tiny... restaurant you can get horse. There's in. a lot of restaurants, yeah. But I, I had a, like I said, a piece the size of my my fingernail, mm. and it was like it tastes kind of like beef. And then I just like chased it with fish, um, <laughs> <laughs> because I thought I'm there. I, you know, will try whatever is, is local. Tell you, can you? Can, I'm fairly confident you can say it's the first time you had a zebra fish chaser. <laughs> But the first and last, probably. Yeah. Um, I thought you might like this because to the listeners out there, I've been working with Vinny now, I don't know, it's like, but what, almost two years. Yet sometimes he really still messes up my name. Um, and, I like uh, calling you Chen Chen. I, I always, know, you. That's your, that's your new cute little nickname. I really nickname. like that, although it does remind me of a panda. <laughs> I can imagine there's probably a panda called Chen Chen somewhere. Maybe, we could Google it. Mm. <laughs> Someone else want to text in and let us know? 71010. <laughs> Bizarrest text ever. Because <laughs> obviously our listeners are actually much smarter than we are. Uh, James uh, just texted in, oh, Warthog. Somebody said wild boar. Pumbaa is a wild boar. Oh, oh I we have conflicting too. things. Oh, now I don't know what I ate. I ate but wild... others are saying warthog. Nah, well, you ate both. Okay. okay. Um. Oh, so um, the the... Driver taking me to the airport the day I was leaving, mm. um, he kept calling me Pain Chen. Pain. Pain. Mm. Pain. And he was so lovely. And, uh, and I was like, oh, that's, it's Pay. And then he's like, oh, Pain Chen. And I'm like, oh, I'm just not going to bother correcting yeah, him. Yeah, there point. is a point you let it go, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was in Tim Hortons yesterday, and a guy said, uh, Are you just visiting? And I thought, I can't really be bothered. So I just went, Yeah. He goes, well, <laughs> been here for 10 years. I said, yeah. Um, yeah. He goes, what do you think of the winters? And I thought, oh, no, I tried to avert this. Mm-hmm. And now I've ended up doing it. So I had to say, oh, it's a bit cold from what I'm used to. No, it's not. Uh, you had to pretend to be a tourist. Yeah. That was nice of you. It's just easier sometimes. Someone just texted and said, these are common animals. You should get out more. They're not common in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, like the spring, the, the spring bok and the yeah. warthogs. That text came in from Botswana, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> in which case yes they are common animals <laughs> absolutely they are well, anyway that's a really weird thing to say at the end of it you should get out more getting out more is not going to assist in any way walking the streets of Toronto oh I see the difference now between a pumba and a, what was it a wild boar and a what was the other one warthog is that warthog. the confusion why can I never remember it or are we confusing like uh, kudu and oryx which are well, I, I hate to say this, but I think you might have Oryx wrong. I think it's an Ajax. Mm, our local guy said Oryx. Mm. Was he from Ajax? Uh, no. That would be weird. That would be weird, wouldn't it? I think it's your accent, actually, that makes it sound different. I'll tie the blame. It probably is you. Uh, I wanted to let everyone know that I'm an auntie. So my brother, younger brother, just had a little baby girl. 
and she's a week old. <laughs> and I asked the name. So this all happened while I was in Namibia. So when I had not very good service, uh, internet service. And uh, all he does is he's like, hey, you're an aunt now. And doesn't tell me boy or girl, which I think is, a, is the first thing you should tell someone, because, you know, like what, which one? And then finally, like three days later, three he said, it's days. a girl. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, name? Like, honestly, this is, yeah, I feel like this is what it's like guy. to have a brother, yeah. you know? Like he doesn't tell you the basic information. Yeah. You've got to do name, uh, weight, time yeah, born. Yeah, just like, you know. And, I, and then comedy healthy? messages at the end, like, oh, I can't stop pooing. You know, we all know that. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I'm really excited because she's the first uh, grandchild for my parents. And I'm thrilled to be an auntie now. Now I'm like into like buying baby things. Are you going to have one? Nope. It wasn't enough. It's really great for my brother to give my parents I've a got, grandchild. Probably, I've probably got about six, ten minutes before my show if you do want one. No, uh, that's not. And you wondered why I'm not so warm to you sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Elliot, do we have three winners? We do, get, yes. Okay, great. And Thank have, you so uh, much. I've taken their information. They will get books soon. Fantastic. Very happy to hear that. Uh, I wanted to share this story with you, Vinnie White. Thank uh, you, Pine. A food company, a Finnish food company, has been forced to rename their, their frozen meatballs that they were selling at the grocery store and just call them balls because they don't contain enough meat. This is gross. And then oh. why, uh, the reason I want people to know this is because the, the quote-unquote balls or they used to be called meatballs, are made mostly from mechanically separated meat. This is an ingredient you will see a lot on processed meat products, mm. even in Canada. Mechanically separated meat is sometimes called white slime. Uh, it is, after the meat's been <sighs> just taken off the bones, it is, um, it is, as it's said, mechanically separated. It's kind of like scraped the last bits off the bone. And that is mechanically separated meat. And good for them, this Finnish uh, company, basically having to not call them meatballs because there's no meat in there. I don't know what unsettles me more, the thought of you eating a zebra or sort of people in Finland eating balls. Well, it's good to know that they're what is really in them, right? Yeah. It's just like your buffalo wings. It's like crab sticks as well. <laughs> yeah. They're seafood sticks now. Yes, only a trace of crab in there. There yeah. isn't at all. See, what, look at the public service we're doing for people, knowing about what their food is. You're tuned oh, into Talking go. Meat over 80s music on News Talk 1010. Vinny White's coming up next. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week. <laughs>